Good morning, everyone. I'm going to start early. It's 8.02 Apple time. Normally, we start at 8.04, but we have uh, a number of announcements and changes. Uh, so welcome to Grand Rounds. Uh, welcome to end of summer, beginning of fall. Um, I, our esteemed colleagues from uh, my private practice group, I see Harry smiling in the same chair that he normally sits in. It's good to see you. And Mary and Felicia and all of you guys said it looks like a smaller group than you used to have, but that's that's a, you know we, we want to make sure you bring more more people and and of course I see Dr. Zemsky with his traditional no sock wear. That's are you wearing socks? No, he's not wearing socks. Okay, that's 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 very good. Um, and it's great to see Leon Kamaidi sitting here. And uh, I was always looking forward to that. I miss you during the summer, Leon. So it's good to have you. And I uh, saw your daughter here somewhere as well. So, and Karen, thank you for being in the same chair that you've been in for a number of years and the best attendance. And uh, we've, uh, you, you may, you're not going to get a stethoscope this year. And so we were thinking of the golden colposcope, but it's, uh, but we decided that that wouldn't be a good idea. So we're going to have the, uh, the, the a Yeti mug will be, will be giving out this year. So you can still win that. Uh, and, and Ned, thank you for sitting on the same chair you've been sitting for so many years. And your residents uh, uh, back there. So can, can you guys stand up so we can see you, the brand of new people? Stand up, please. Yeah. Welcome. I expect to see all of you here every, every week. Um, Ed doesn't want you to be here every week, but almost every week. It'll be hopefully good grand rounds. Um, Dr. Young, it's always good to see you as well. It's wonderful. Oh, we have a resident sitting. Lauren, you're sitting in the front. That's, that's, that's a change. Maybe you can entice people to, to, to come this way. It would be fantastic. So, so again, welcome. welcome. It's, uh, it's really good to, to be here again. We have a, really an exciting uh, a CME program, and I want to thank Liz Anderson, who's, who's going to introduce a, a new technique of all the things that we're doing. You can find the, uh, the Continuing Medical Education Lecture Series pamphlet in the back. We have also a, an exciting set of mental health evening series. September 19th is one on vaping and adolescent public health crisis with uh, Lisa Namra, uh, uh, doc, Dr. Bennett from Adolescent Medicine, and Dr. Murthy also as well. Uh, so take a look at this and try to attend. Those are fun, and it's a good, a good way to uh, be engaged and meet other people. Um, and then there are a number of other ones in October is the diagnosis and management of childhood musculoskeletal complaints from primary care pediatrician from Dr. Edelheit and, and Blaine Lappin, who Blaine is, is a new, a brand new fresh pediatric rheumatologist. And uh, so it's good to, you know, for you to you do that. Uh, the other thing is we're changing, as you can see the message here, we're changing our, uh, the way we transmit the grand rounds. Um, there's a fellow back there, uh, Philip Hopkins, uh, who's, uh, from from uh, uh, our internal communications uh, children's and and he has really been working very hard with Liz to make sure that we have a different platform. So you can log in. I'm happy to come up here. There, a slight change if you can upgrade it. So so work with us uh, and let us know if this is working or not. Um, I have complete trust in if in Liz and what's going on. If it doesn't work, it's her fault, not mine. So I'm going to ask her to come up and and just tell you briefly, and then we'll ask Paul to come up and introduce our, our speaker today. Yeah, let's see. Thank you, Dr. Salazar. Um, so welcome back. We hope everybody had a wonderful and restful summer. It's good to see you all. Um, our office has been pretty busy, as Dr. Salazar mentioned, over the summer months. Um, and so I'd love to just take a few moments, bring your attention to the screen so you can see some of our, our updates and um, technology platforms that we're um, changing to. So um, you will you will stream um, on demand and live if you're watching remotely from Zoom, which institutionally we've switched to. Um, so a big thank you to Philip Hopkins, our telehealth manager, who's been re really wonderful in helping us get this off the ground for CME. Um, so you'll, nothing will change. You'll still log in remotely from the flyer if that's how, you, if that's how you're all watching, uh, if you're not here live with us at Gilman. Um, another exciting announcement is EADS. We're finally going electronic with continuing medical education, which is really exciting. Uh, in the foyer, there's some handouts and printouts. You'll be able to download an app and also just go on your desktop remotely to take the post-test online. We obviously still have the paper for um, those of you who are not comfortable going electronic. That's fine. We'll still enter it on your behalf. Um, I do want to show you just briefly. Sorry. Ooh, looks like. I wanted to show you what the website looks like if you're go if you're um, streaming from from your office. Sorry. 
which is great. What we didn't have before is a calendar, um, and that was something our learners have been asking for for a long time. So you'll click here and you can see all the upcoming Grand Rounds as well as our um, evening lecture series. So if you're watching from your office and say you can't find the flyer that we sent you, you can simply click on the calendar and it will bring you to the URL down here and you can log in that way. And you can also go to Enduring Materials. Now this section is if you're watching um, at another time. If you can't watch live with us, you need to watch tomorrow. We will have the video up for you within 24 hours. So um, as we mentioned, a lot of changes. We're working on it. Be patient with us. We appreciate it. Um, also another change that's taking place is Buzzsprout. We currently are on Podbean for, um, for a podcast. That will be transitioning by the holidays to Buzzsprout. So you're not gonna see much change in that. You'll, you'll go to our website, you'll click on that link. On your end, it's not gonna to look too, too much different. You'll be also be able to download an app. And then finally, I do wanna mention that our cme.connecticutchildrens.org, that website will also be transitioning. So any old certificates, um, my colleague Nicole and myself will be working to get a transcript, a transcript for you from 2017 to present. Um, but do keep in mind that that will be changing and it will be a landing platform for you all to utilize Zoom, Eads, and Buzzsprout. So we appreciate your patience. And as you know, um, with change, it takes time to adapt. And um, we look forward to the growth and opportunity of this platform. So thank you all very much. And I'll let Dr. Dworkin do the honors. <laughs> thank you, Liz. And uh, I mean, just really, uh, you know, a round of applause to her for getting this moving. Hopefully it works, then you can applaud her after this. And then so so thank you. Thank you. I know Anna Marie was concerned, but I said no, she has it, so we're we're all good. Um, all right, we'll move on to our first grand rounds and and to introduce Dr. Hollenbach. I'm gonna ask Paul Dworkin to come up. And we were just sort of thinking of between Paul and I how many years we've had uh, we've been chairs. And Paul Paul started in 1998, uh, and I'm beginning, believe it or not, my seventh year as chair. Um, the beginning, the end, of the end of the sixth year, beginning of the seventh year, which is really crazy. I didn't talk, think about it. So between both of us, it's been a good 21 years, which tells you that we have, Connecticut is a land of steady habits. Um, I've had some colleagues in other, uh, you know, in other departments and other across the country where they've had 10 chairs in a period of 21 years. So, so hopefully that means something. Uh, and uh, so I'm going to ask Paul to introduce Jess. So the bottom line is that Juan has at least another eight years to go, so take a deep breath, Juan. Good morning, everyone. We are really, really pleased and honored to have the Office for Community Child Health host this first Grand Rounds of the new academic year, and we're particularly pleased that uh, Dr. Jessica Hollenbach in the Asthma Center stepped up and uh, offered to lead this Grand Rounds for us. For those of you who may not be familiar with the office, it was formed some six years ago to basically do three things, to strengthen the effectiveness of our many community-oriented programs that have long existed at Connecticut Children's, some predating Connecticut Children's actually. Secondly, to encourage these programs to work together to best meet the needs of the population that we serve. And third, to encourage anyone, faculty, staff, trainees, community members, with good ideas about how to address critical community issues, think the opioid epidemic, think childhood obesity, to come forward, vet those ideas, potentially pilot test them, and design and implement new and successful interventions. And we're pleased with our progress over the past six years, although clearly much work remains to be done. Many of the programs of the office, there currently are 15, actually precede the office with regard to their longevity, and perhaps none more prominently than the Asthma Center and its Easy Breathing program. In many respects, the Asthma Center and Easy Breathing really represent the prototype of what we are trying to accomplish, addressing a critical contemporary issue, asthma, that is so profoundly influenced by social, environmental, and behavioral factors, and therefore requires a comprehensive integrated approach, and also the imperative that the initiatives engage the other sectors that are so critically important to children and family and address the needs of children where they live, learn, and play, like the school system, and you'll see an extraordinarily successful example of that this morning. 
Easy Breathing and the Asthma Center also represent our goals of local and regional initiatives of statewide and national significance. And indeed, Easy Breathing has been replicated, has been implemented in a number of states around the country. Um, Jess, our speaker this morning, is really well equipped to uh, lead this discussion. Uh, she herself uh, joined the Asthma Center some six years ago uh, to lead the asthma programs of the Asthma Center and has uh, now uh, assumed a co-directorship of the Asthma Center. She uh, holds a, a doctorate from UConn in the biomedical sciences and also a master's in clinical and translational research and has been an incredibly important and vital resource for the Asthma Center, for OCCH, and for Connecticut Children's as a whole. So it's my great pleasure to introduce Dr. Jess Hollenbeck. Jess. Thank you, Dr. Dworkin, for that very generous introduction, and good morning, everybody. Welcome to the first Grand Rounds of the new academic year. Um, this is my disclosure slide. I have nothing to disclose. I have no um, competing interests. Apparently, that's a live passcode that just bounced in for anybody who needs it. Okay. The title of my talk today is Collaborating with Schools to Improve Children's Asthma Outcomes. Um, and I'd like to really just uh, focus on the work that we've been doing with, um, with the school system in Hartford specifically, but also across Connecticut. Again, I have no competing interests or nothing to disclose. The objectives for uh, our discussion today are to, are, I'd like to describe the role of the school nurse in asthma care. I'd also like to summarize how collaborating with school nurses improves asthma outcomes. Then I'll examine how clinicians can partner with school nurses to improve asthma outcomes. And lastly, I'd like to identify what clinicians can ask school nurses for to improve asthma outcomes. So briefly on asthma and school children, I'm sure you all know that asthma is one of the leading um, chronic diseases that's affecting children. Um, in school children, one in seven students or 14% in Connecticut public schools has asthma. This is according to the Connecticut school-based asthma survey report. Only 11% of students with asthma have an asthma, a written asthma treatment plan on file with school nurse. This is different than the medication authorizations that you are all frantically probably filling out right now in order for albuterol to be administered at school. And 48% of children with asthma have had at least one exacerbation in the past year. How does as absenteeism relate with asthma? We know that asthma is the leading cause of school, -related, uh, of school absenteeism due to chronic illness. We also know that students with asthma miss an average of an additional 2.3 school days per year. This is compared to students without asthma. Now, 2.3 school days might not seem like a lot, but this matters when studies have shown that uh, children who miss, uh, students with asthma who miss at least one day of as a school in the first month of the school year are more likely to experience asthma exacerbations that, throughout the school year. Over a little over half of school children with asthma miss greater than or equal to one day of school. And school absenteeism and sleep deprivation from uncontrolled disease result in worse school performance for students with asthma. To demonstrate how school absences are related uh, among students with asthma, I've, I'm showing you a figure here from one of our, our manuscripts that we published um, uh, earlier this year in February. The y-axis is showing you the percent uh, days absent. The percent days absent, and the mouse isn't working. And the y-axis is showing you the, the child, the student's grade. Uh, the pink line are students that have uh, asthma and the blue line are students without asthma. And these data are, 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 um, um, are a collection of three academic school years. And what essentially this is showing you is that there is variation um, in absenteeism by grade. You can see this, uh, the absent, percent absentee days are higher in the younger grades and then also uh, uh, and then peak in, in the high school grades. But you also see a significant difference uh, among children with asthma in the pink line for absenteeism compared to the children without asthma in the blue line. 
alongside this, asthma-related absenteeism is associated with greater asthma morbidity. So here we see that children who have asthma uh, or have at least uh, have missed at least one school day for asthma have two times the increased odds of having uncontrolled disease, are at 2.7 times the odds of having or experiencing an, uh, an asthma episode or exacerbation. They're 4.6 times as likely to visit the ED or urgent care uh, for asthma. Um, and they're 4.9 times to see a, a, an acute healthcare encounter for asthma. So school-related absenteeism is, is significantly associated with, with asthma morbidity. So what is the importance of school-based asthma care then? Well, I'd like to talk to you about the perspective from both the school nurse and the students. So school nurses, they really understand the relationship between school health and academic achievement. Also, they are the most qualified staff member to manage asthma in the school setting. From the student's perspective, children spend a third of their day in school and they interact with the school nurse more than any other healthcare provider. So they're really well positioned to help. And so school nurses are really well positioned to help support asthma care while children are in school. I'd like to talk about uh, some school-based asthma interventions that have been described in the literature and several different models have been, have been implemented. I'm only going to focus on four today and just to give you a little bit of a background. And some have been shown to improve asthma outcomes and reduce school absenteeism. The first one I'll talk about is directly observed therapy. Uh, then I'll talk about asthma education in schools. I'll, then I'll talk about asthma telemedicine visits in schools. And then we'll talk more about the work that we did in Hartford that we're continuing, which was on improving communication between primary care clinicians and school nurses. Supervised asthma medicine in schools or directly observed therapy. Uh, the, the model here is essentially bringing the child's, uh, children with persistent asthma, bringing their controller therapy or their inhaled corticosteroid to school. So in this model, the pharmacist delivers the asthma, the ICS or the controller therapy to the school nurse and the school nurse directly observe an administration of their controller therapy every day while the child is in school. The thought here is that if you can improve um, asthma control in children with persistent disease and you can improve their asthma outcomes. So here is a graph or a figure showing you the percent change in asthma control from baseline to follow up. And the bar on the left are children with asthma who receive usual care. And the bar on the right are children with asthma who receive supervised asthma therapy. And you can see that children who were enrolled in the supervised asthma therapy program experience approximately a 10% decrease in episodes of poor asthma control. Several other uh, uh, labs and investigators have repeated this model and have shown similar effects. Another approach is to administer or provide school-based asthma self-management education in the school setting. Uh, Meta-analysis and systematic review was recently done on this area because lots of, um, lots of groups have decided to, to go with this approach. So when um, this meta-analysis and systematic review was done, the, the authors looked for the effectiveness or the pooled effect size on school-based asthma self-management care for among children and adolescents. Um, and what we see is the, that the standardized mean difference or the SMD uh, for hospitalizations is decreased when you combine all the effect sizes from all these studies by 0.19. The odds for a child going to the ED is also decreased Children uh, who experience days of restricted activity uh, experience a reduction as well. But for school-based asthma self-management education uh, programs, there was no effect on absenteeism from school. To now add on to the directly observed therapy programs, uh, this group in Rochester led by Jill Halterman decided to add on telemedicine visits. The purpose here was that uh, Though directly observed therapy was effective, children were still not engaging uh, well enough with their primary care clinicians. And so this group decided to add on telemedicine visits while the child was at school that was directly, uh, in addition to directly observed therapy. And what you can see is on the y-axis, you have uh, the, uh, the symptom-free days per two weeks is on the y-axis. And then on the x-axis are uh, assessment periods. We have baseline, four months, and six months of follow-up. Black line are the kids enrolled in the usual care group and the orange line are the children who are enrolled in the intervention. And you can see that children who experience directly observed therapy uh, by the school nurse, in addition to telemedicine visits with their primary care clinician experience an increase in the number of symptom-free days in the last two weeks. 
I'd like to transition now and talk to you about the work that we have piloted and, and implemented in Hartford. And it's called, it started with building bridges for asthma care, reducing school absence for inner city children with health disparities. The motivation for implementing and piloting the study was that all of the, all of the programs that we had talked about, pre, that I had just highlighted, really focused on, uh, were, were heavy and focused on the school nurse and extra staff time in order to implement. We wanted to uh, go a little bit a step further and link two successful programs, one that Dr. Dworkin already introduced, Easy Breathing, which is a, a pediatric asthma management uh, program developed here in Hartford. Linked our success in implementing that program with a program developed in Denver Public Schools um, and National Jewish Health called Step Up Asthma, which was a school-based program. So our thought was that if we could combine Easy Breathing and Step Up Asthma by improving communication between primary clinicians and school nurses, we could reduce school absenteeism by improving asthma, um, by improving asthma control. So in this model that we piloted in 2013, 14, and 14, 15 school years, we were able to demonstrate an overall decrease in absenteeism by 22%. That translates into about an additional five days of school gain student. This was really exciting because this is one of school-based asthma studies that showed that we could move the needle on overall absenteeisms uh, for children with asthma. This study was really intense. It was a comprehensive asthma study and it was, it, it required a lot of staff time. I'm looking at the staff sitting in the third row because they were the ones who implemented it. Um, it required uh, grant funding. It required um, a, a, an electronic portal in order to be implemented. So when the study finished, we spoke with the school nurses from Hartford Public Schools and with the, with the help of the head nurse coordinator at Hartford Public Schools, we asked what worked and what didn't and do you still wanna continue this program? And they said, yes. And so this is how Easy Breathing for Schools was created. We kept the name Easy Breathing because we wanted to maintain the consistency with our, our program, our flagship program, Easy Breathing. Uh, we, we wanted to specify that this was a program for the schools and for the school nurses. And so now I'll describe to you the program that we're now that we've now implemented over three years now and some and some results that we have. But the objective of easy breathing for schools is to evaluate whether a school nurses can assist pediatricians in providing asthma care and reduce school absenteeism through implementation of the program, which is a school nurse led asthma management program. The study design uh, that we implemented is a pragmatic quasi-experimental trial because we really wanted to model this in a real-world setting. We wanted it to be a school nurse-led implementation and not require uh, funding or staff time from the asthma center. The participants in this, in this program are the school nurses. We're, we're monitoring sort of their, their, their process outcomes and how they implement the program. And we're also, the school children with asthma are also the participants. The setting is Hartford Public Schools. There are 54 Hartford Public Schools in the city. And this figure is showing you some of the schools, uh, those little dots are all the schools that implemented the program or received training in the program. The intervention is comprised of school nurses being ident identifying students who are pre-K through eighth grade who are at risk for adverse asthma outcomes. And we developed, we think, simple tools for school nurses to, uh, to assess asthma control, to teach inhaler technique, to review asthma education, to educate children and families, and lastly, to communicate with primary care clinicians. Some of our methods include uh, nurses receiving a 30-minute training session and a really nice bright yellow toolkit bag that has our Easy Breathing for School logo so they can't lose it. And school nurses were encouraged to use all program elements, but they could choose which ones to implement because again, this is a pragmatic trial. We can't, we can't really enforce um, adherence to the study design. So we said, choose which works best, best for you in your, in your practice workflow. Data were collected from the school nurses. So we received copies of the student asthma survey, the asthma control test, inhaler technique, as well as data from absentee data from the school information system called PowerSchool. The percent absent days was compared for students with asthma enrolled versus not those children not enrolled in the program. And then we, we, we use a negative binomial model to evaluate the effect of program enrollment adjusting for age, sex, race, ethnicity, and school year. And then at the end, the school nurses completed a brief satisfaction survey. 
So the intervention is, uh, or the program elements, there are five. To identify students at risk of an adverse asthma outcome, we developed the student asthma survey. This is a simple uh, five question survey and I'll go through it in detail in a minute. To assess asthma control, the school nurses were trained in how to use the asthma control test. To review medications, we developed what's called the medication review flow chart and we also gave nurses the asthma medications poster. To improve communication, we developed what's called an asthma referral checklist. And then the last element was asthma, simple asthma education tools, which we only gave them to, which was the inhaler technique checklist or the My Asthma Triggers uh, check uh, off sheet that we developed for easy breathing. Our outcome measures were, pri our primary outcome is school absenteeism. And we compared school absenteeism in those enrolled versus those not enrolled in the program. And then our secondary outcomes were focused on process measures and implementation. Are they are school nurses actually using the program? What are they using? How are they using it? We also looked at inhaler technique and how whether that improved, as well as asthma control across the students enrolled. So the first part in the program is identifying at risk children, at risk asthma in school children. And again, this is a five question form that school nurses could hand to parents or they could send home. At, that gets at the sort of two domains of asthma severity. One is on impairment, one is risk. So the first three questions ask about risk. Have the has the child been into the ED or hospital or urgent care or missed school in the last year because of asthma? And the last two questions ask about impairment. So are they experiencing daytime symptoms or are they using their rescue or reliever inhaler frequently? And the shaded areas uh, helped school nurses sort of decide whether this child was a good fit for the program because the shaded areas in our previous study were sensitive and specific for identifying kids at, at risk of having an adverse outcome. For assessing asthma control, we provided school nurses with copies of the asthma control test. The asthma control test, for those of you who don't know, is a validated tool that gives people and a clinician an objective measure of current level of asthma control and asks on recent uh, symptoms in the last four weeks. There are two versions. The one on the left is a childhood asthma control test for kids four to 11. It has a child completed portion, the, fourth four, the first four questions, and then a parent completed portion on the bottom. The asthma control test is, a, is for children 12 years and older um, and has five questions. We designed the ACT uh, to have three columns so that the school nurse could administer it throughout the school year and keep track of the score. Uh, and we trained them in how to interpret the score. Really, essentially, 19 is the magic number here. Any, any score of 19 or below is considered inadequately controlled. This is used in our easy breathing program, so we thought this would be a nice tool that could allow the school nurse to communicate with the primary care clinician if the child's asthma control was, was, was inadequate. We also asked school nurses to focus on inhaler technique. Um, surprisingly, after 40 years, inhaler technique has not improved. And so working with our collaborators at, um, in Denver Public Schools, they had developed this inhaler technique checklist on the left-hand side here for their step-up <coughs> asthma program, which is a simple five-step technique checklist where the school nurse was uh, coached to observe the child's inhaler technique and document the score and then provide teach back until the child was able to properly perform all five steps. Then the school nurse was asked to monitor inhaler technique throughout the school year with these multiple columns and the child could get a score of one through five. We, are all, we also gave the school nurses an, asthma, an education tool that they could send home with students, which that's on the right. Again, we developed that for our easy breathing program, but we thought why not give the school nurses this tool as well to give the, to their children with asthma. We provided school nurses with a poster on, uh, on asthma medications. This is a double-sided poster. You're only seeing one side, obviously. That contains all the most commonly used or prescribed asthma medicines that children and adults uh, might use. This is updated every year as formularies change. And the Department of Minnesota Health Department uh, provides this uh, free, so if anybody's interested, it's online. Um, but the purpose of implementing this tool in the medication review flowchart was not to make kids try to remember what asthma therapy they're taking, but to try to get at that distinction between uh, what are you taking every day? Are you, are you properly taking your controller at medicine or your inhaled corticosteroid if you have persistent disease? Or are you taking your reliever therapy or your albuterol? And do you understand the difference between those two? And so this was a tool that was used to sort of help coach families and children in understanding that, that difference. And the last element was communicating with the clinician. In our previous Building Bridges project, we had really nice computer-generated automated uh, letters that had all this information that we sent to pediatricians about the child's participation in the program. 
And when we met with pediatricians after the program, we said, how did this work? And they said, just tell me what you want us to do. And so we sat down with the school nurses after the program. We said, all right, what, matter, what do you see most frequently in your school setting? And how can we transmit this efficiently to pediatricians so we can tell them what you want them to do? So we developed the asthma referral checklist, which is on the right. Yes, it's a piece of paper, and it's on a tearaway pad piece of paper. Because right now, um, currently, our technology still relies on fax machines for school nurses to communicate with pediatricians. But working with school nurses in Hartford, they told us these are the most common, uh, most frequently seen uh, things or, or events that occur in their office for children with asthma. And these are the things that we'd like to communicate. So for example, the child was sent home on X date for an asthma attack. Child's been in the nurse office X times in the past uh, year for asthma. Uh, this child has missed X number of days of school this past year for asthma. So this is on a tearaway sheet and then um, the school nurse could then just communicate or fax it back to, to you. So after two years of implementation, uh, we decided to analyze and evaluate the program. So these are some of our results in our, on our recruitment and enrollment. So the program was offered to 49 school nurses and six school-based health centers in Hartford, and that represents 54 Hartford Public Schools. About a little over half received training in the program, which that consisted of 25 school nurses and four school-based health center practitioners at 29 schools. And then a little over a third actually implemented the program. And this is, that represents 15 school nurses and one school-based health center practitioner across 17 schools. Some reasons that uh, school nurses and school-based health center practitioners decided not to implement the program. Three were school-based health center practitioners. These were SBHC practitioners who were working adjacent to a school nurse who had received training in the program. So they thought that they would just divert their, uh, that program to, to her responsibility. Five were in a high school setting and saw that this program wasn't really applicable to them because teens can self-carry and don't come down to the school nurse to, have, to receive administration of, of albuterol or, or other therapy for asthma. One school nurse thought the program didn't flow in her, in her clinic or her practice. One was a part-time, one was too overwhelmed, and one we don't really know what the reason was. Here are the characteristics of the students with asthma who were uh, engaged or enrolled in the program and those children with asthma who are not enrolled across two academic years. You see that there's no real, there's no real difference in sex or race ethnicity uh, across the two uh, populations. But the, the children enrolled in the program were slightly younger. They're about eight years old versus nine years old. And we only looked at as, uh, the childhood asthma control test or the ACT among children enrolled. And you can see that 42% of children with asthma enrolled in the program had asthma that was considered inadequately controlled at time of enrollment. When we looked at the effect on absentee rate using our negative binomial model, we examined absentee rate looking at rate ratios of absences associated with, the, with either a one unit increase in a continuous variable, such as age or, the, or uh, school year, or comparing one group to a referent. And you can see that a child's age, so every, every increase in age results in a decrease in absenteeism. That's the top. There was no difference in absentee rate when you consider sex or race, ethnicity, or school year. But when we looked at the effect of the program highlighted in red, you can see that we compared children who are part of the intervention compared to the, the, the control group, we see a 0.74 uh, rate ratio decrease, which is a 26% decrease in absentee rate. That equates to about three to four additional school days gained per student per year. And this is an overall absenteeism. This is not self-reported asthma. This is overall absenteeism. And these are data that we gathered from the school information system or the power school system. So this, this effect was really exciting and showing that in a real world pragmatic implementation, we can still move the needle on overall absenteeism when, we're, when we focus on asthma control in schools. Easy breathing for schools also improved inhaler technique when we use our inhaler technique checklist and we collected them and analyzed the data on how school nurses were, were doing and implementing that tool. You can see that when you look at the inhaler technique score on the y-axis, comparing baseline to the last measurement for both school years, we see a significant increase in inhaler technique checklist score in both school years for children enrolled in the program. Again, this is really exciting and significant because we're not, we haven't really moved the needle in 40 years on inhaler technique in both adults and, and children. When we asked school nurses how they were, if they were satisfied with the program, they told us yes, in general, overall, they're either satisfied or extremely satisfied. 
And when we asked if they would continue using it, the program in the next year, almost 100% said yes, they would. The most liked program elements were the inhaler technique. 55% said they really liked it. It was easy to implement in their practice and it was effective. 27% liked the asthma education tools that we gave them. And then only 9% uh, liked medication review or the asthma control test. The least liked program elements were the first step, which is identifying at-risk asthma. The student asthma survey, only 30% liked that. And not surprisingly, faxing forms to clinicians was also least liked program element. Um, this was a little tricky for us because we actually worked with school nurses on that asthma referral checklist to really hone in on what reasons they'd want to communicate with pediatricians, but they still didn't use it. So we really need to understand what's going on there. When we asked school nurses how much time it took for them to implement the program, uh, almost 80% uh, spent 30 minutes or less on, using, on implementing the program per student per school year. So some limitations to easy breathing for schools are we had low adoption. Even though 42% of school nurses requested training, only a, a little over a third of nurses used the program. And the most common reason for not requesting training was that school nurses were just too busy. We implement, the, the way we approached the implementation of this program was to not just focus on the beginning of the school year to start the program. We encourage school nurses to use it at any point in the year, recognizing that the, the September epidemic is here and school nurses will be dealing with a lot more uh, children with asthma coming down to the office for treatments. Um, so implementing the program at any point of the school year is now how, how this is done. Another limitation was, were the one-on-one -on -one training sessions that were resource intensive for us as, as the asthma center. And now this is, this is now evolved into a group setting training where we are repeatedly invited back every year to professional development in August to train all Hartford Public School nurses and we're, we're really thankful for that. There are unknown differences between those enrolled and not enrolled in the program. For example, we did not know asthma severity for the children with asthma in this study so we, cannot, we could not control for that. There was low ACT use, and we think that this is driven by the childhood asthma control test uh, because this, this ACT requires both child and parents to respond to, to the answers. And so school nurses told us it was really difficult for them to coordinate capturing the child's response with the parent's response. And again, the program has limited utility in high schools because most teens self-carry their inhalers and don't need to go down to the school nurse to, to before recess or before gym to receive their albuterol. So in summary, easy breathing for schools reduces school absence. It results in improved inhaler technique among school children. The program yields high satisfaction among school nurses and requires a minimal extra time for implementation by school nurses. I'd like to now transition into the 2016 Community Asthma Needs Assessment that we conducted in Hartford, uh, because here we got some other feedback from school nurses and principals and pediatricians that informs the, the other objectives of my talk today. During this needs assessment, we created the Collaborative for Asthma Equity in Children, which was a 22-member stakeholder group comprised of all sectors of the asthma community. And uh, we got together to really hone in on the issue of asthma in Hartford. Brief background about Hartford, Connecticut. It's a 18 square mile city, and it's the second poorest medium-sized city in the wealthiest state in the US. And I think this is well illustrated by the, by the figure on the right, showing you the, the yellow and the orange are racially concentrated areas of poverty. And you can see that these racially concentrated areas of poverty are surrounded by these racially concentrated areas of affluence or the purple areas. Hartford is also a city with old housing stock. More than 50% of our homes were built before 1950. We have high unemployment, and also we are a minority-majority community that's primarily Latino, 43% Latino, which is primarily Puerto Rican, as well as Black. And 16% of our children in Hartford have asthma. Asthma morbidity in Hartford is high. When we look at ED visits and hospitalizations in the city compared to statewide and nationally, we see that the ED visits are three and a half times higher than what the state reports and 20 times higher than what, what the national rates are. Similarly, hospitalizations are three times as high in Hartford for asthma, 20 times higher than those, in, than those nationally. 
So the objective of the community needs assessment was to understand the successes and gaps in asthma care management from the perspective of the child with asthma, the child's family, and the child's community or neighborhood. We also wanted to explore how to improve asthma care and reduce asthma disparities in children through the voices of those with, uh, who live with asthma. So we use a uh, multifactorial or mixed methods uh, approach to do this community needs assessment. We implemented and launched resident surveys where we met with community members where they were. So we went to grocery stores, after school events, fairs, activities, churches, and libraries. And we strove and we sampled every neighborhood to achieve a racial, racial ethnic representation. We also conducted key informant interviews or surveys with stakeholders that represent uh, teachers, school nurses, principals, pharmacists, community organizations, as well as community health workers. And we've conducted focus groups with, with families, primary care clinicians, and school nurses. Some results on how clinicians can partner with school nurses to improve asthma outcomes. So this is what clinicians uh, and school nurses told us about how we can improve the link between, between school nurses and clinicians to improve asthma care. The first recommendation from the report is that clinici clinicians should develop a written asthma treatment plan for every child with asthma. However, a mechanism to share this, the current asthma treatment plan needs to be developed. And we, are, we, are, we recognize that this is a major barrier and this is the ideal scenario would be to have a mechanism or electronic health record generated plan in the clinician's office that could facilitate treatment plan development and then distribution to the school nurse. Also, clinicians can provide school nurses with the child's current asthma treatment plan because the school nurse is an important provider of asthma care and is trusted by families of children with asthma. Also, school-based health center practitioners provide asthma care and should be included in these activities. Lastly, the asthma treatment plan and medication authorization should be on one single page. And so we've developed this for an easy breathing for all our providers, making sure that it's easy for you to complete the asthma treatment plan for home, but also have a section on the bottom that allows the parent to approve the medication authorization for the school nurse. Another way that clinicians can partner with school nurses to improve outcomes is to, uh, to engage an asthma champion in the community. An asthma champion could be anybody that, uh, any medical professional, pulmonologist, an allergist, a respiratory therapist, an advanced practice nurse, anybody who's interested and has a passion about asthma should review the, the asthma-related policies in the school district and formalize some of these policies that might be beneficial to the school nurse. For example, only 10 states in the U.S. have a stock albuterol policy that allows uh, the school nurse to carry a stock albuterol canister in order to administer to children who are experiencing an exacerbation who might not have a, a, an inhaler at school. When we asked, uh, then we asked what clinicians can ask school nurses for to improve asthma outcomes. And information on student inhaler technique deficits was a big one. Pediatricians really liked that the school nurse was doing this in the school in their office and they want, the inf and they want that uh, information coming back to them. Clinicians also can ask school nurses for the ACT score. You can ask them for the log of school absences for their students with asthma. Clinicians can identify and report patients frequently, or school nurses can identify and report patients who are frequently visiting her or him. Better communication with the primary care clinician, as well as a systematic process to co uh, coordinate communication and requests for asthma treatment plans. So in conclusion, collaborating with school nurses is a powerful mechanism to improve asthma outcomes. I think I've shown you that it can reduce school absenteeism, it can increase symptom-free days, we can enhance asthma control and improve inhaler technique and reduce ED visits and hospitalizations. So how can clinicians partner with school nurses to improve asthma outcomes? Share a copy of the asthma treatment plan and try to communicate better with school nurses. And what can you ask school nurses for to improve asthma outcomes? You can ask her for the inhaler technique instruction in school, the ACT assessment in school. You can ask for the log of the school absences, whether the student's making frequent visits to the school nurse, and to communicate better with you. Thank you. Jess, for a great presentation and all the work that, that you have done in our community. Really greatly appreciate it. So we have uh, plenty of time for, for questions. Please use the microphone. Hello, and thank you. I wonder if part of the program 
is the political aspect of Hartford as an environmental justice location where walking distance from here is a plant that stores and burns trash from about 20, 10 or 20 nearby towns. And the question is whether there is any regular environmental monitoring, external as well as internal in those old schools. So far as I know, sometimes characterized as a politician, there are um, no regular sources of funding like the EPA for local air quality, especially related to this trash plant, which again is just walking distance of here and it's up and down in terms of funding. And does this have an effect, unlike in Denver, for instance, on Hartford's child population? So that's, I think a, that's a hard one. I know it's a difficult <laughs> question. Right, so there, there are, the schools in Hartford did implement, did implement an EPA approved program called Tools for Schools a while back. Funding for that uh, went away, but they tried to bring it back up. And that program is really to try to, to get uh, improved air quality in schools using environmentally green approaches. In regards to your point about the walkability uh, and whether the, the reason why this is implemented in Hartford or the, the program is implemented because of the political environment, I can't really say that the environmental justice folks, uh, we interacted with them or that they supported us. All I can say is that um, a big driver of our success was working closely with the Hartford Public School nurse system and leadership who are here today is, is actually Ms. Deb Kamites, who's standing in the back of the room, uh, and, and recognizing that asthma is a problem and that, they, that she wants to give her nurses the tools to help them address asthma. Harry? Yeah. Uh, thanks very much for your excellent talk. Uh, it is helpful when I see patients being able to give them an asthma treatment plan. And there aren't really any great plans. Easy Breathing used to have one, but if we could have a plan with CCMC on top saying asthma treatment plan, one page, and the whole green, yellow, red, that was very helpful, a tearaway page. That would be great advertising, good for patients. Sure. Uh, two is our patients do better when they have a, a spacer. But as you know, sometimes insurance doesn't cover it. It's hard to use. That could be another win-win. If we could have CCMC mass produce a bunch of spacers, have their name on it, their logo, and we could give to our patients, it would be great. Because oftentimes I want to use them, but the parents can't afford it. Thank you. Yeah, good, very good point. And in our asthma toolkits that we provide to school nurses, we do provide them with a, 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 a small amount of small spacers. They're, they're, these called, they're called inflow cones, and they're smaller so that they can keep a higher stock of them in their, in their office. And we also provide them with reordering instructions on how, to, on how to reorder them for kids who come in without a spacer. Uh, we recognize that that's an issue and we try to get around it. We, we just, we can't mass produce spacers and we also don't have the funding to just keep churning out spacers to provide all kids, all students with asthma with, with spacers who don't bring them in. Do you have a treatment plan on your website that we can download? Yes, yes, we do. Yeah, and we have one that we collaborated with with the Quad AI and the National Association of School Nurses, that's a red, yellow, green format as well. Yeah. Jess, I, I do have a question. We have a, a number of, of pediatricians online and, and, and those that are here, plus pediatricians in the making. And I know how busy they are. You know, they, we, we ask uh, each one of them to see a patient in 10 minutes, sometimes even less. And, and you were alluding to a number of connectivity points with, with school health uh, providers, uh, the nurses. Uh, frankly, I don't know when they have time for that. I mean, it, it, you know, it's because it gets so busy. So, so any, any insights on how we can sort of change that, that dynamic so that, so that it doesn't all fall on the pediatrician, that we have, that we build the system so that it facilitates it and it actually makes their life easier? Good, great question. Great question, uh, Dr. Salazar. We, if we think maybe the ideal would be an EHR that is connected, that allows the school nurses to connect in. So perhaps giving them read-only access and they can sign in and check to see if their student that's missing with asthma in school was recently seen in the ED. Um, or from the clinician's perspective, if we can sort of build in school nurses as clinicians in, um, in the EHR and we can sort of uh, link out somehow to them to, to email directly from, from Epic the copy of the asthma treatment plan to their inbox at school. We, we recognize that these are all sort of one-off approaches. There really is no sort of systematic uh, approach to improving communication, but those are some possible ideas. 
versus just picking up the phone or, or faxing them, which is we, we recognize is not ideal. Karen? Uh, Jessica, congratulations. This is just such timely and extraordinary work that your group has done. I was very intrigued by you mentioning a, the power school absenteeism pl electronic platform. And I think the value, uh, you, you illustrated how school absenteeism is a real early marker of asthma control and morbidity. And I think if there was a way to get in real time school absenteeism data to the primary care doctor, that would enable them to in real time accelerate that child's care. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, so PowerSchool has the ability to, has an API, an application interface to allow the ability to, uh, for other electronic systems to sort of tap in. And that's really what you need to do to get those real-time data. Now, whether a school, for example, Hartford Public Schools or another public school system would allow a place like Connecticut Children's to tap into those data requires some knowledge of FERPA as well as HIPAA. So there are, there are laws and regulations that prevent us from just sort of grabbing and seeing those data. I think that would be the ideal, though, to be able to share that in real time so that you could see and capture when their child's not at school. Um, but other than relying on the school nurse right now to communicate that, that information, that, that system does not exist yet. Yeah. Thanks, Jessica, for the uh, presentation. Just a quick question. Did you have uh, buy-in or was the Board of Education interested in the outcome of this as far as how they're, you're helping to affect absenteeism? That's a great question, Chris. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, we've, we've tried to engage the Board of Education for several years. We, through our, through our connection and work and collaboration with the head nurse supervisor at Harvard Public Schools, we've told them about the program. They are aware of it. They did approve it, um, but we have not formally met with them to discuss the outcomes. We try to, we're, we recognize that chronic absenteeism is a is a major and it's a contemporary issue. So we're trying to communicate with them that we are making an impact on chronic absenteeism. And so hopefully we're hopefully going that route to, to grab their attention. Well, thanks for thanks very much, Jess. We, as you may well know, we have an upcoming meeting with the superintendent of schools in Hartford, Superintendent Rodriguez, to explore how we can more effectively work together. So this may be a question for you, and, and if Deb Kamides is still here, uh, one, the other, or both of you, what message would you like us to bring forward from uh, this work, and uh, how might we best advance it through engagement of the superintendent and school leadership. Ooh, Deb, what do you want? Uh, no, I think, I think I would like her to know that her school nurses are working really hard in, in moving the needle, improving asthma outcomes. And by implementing the program Easy Breathing for Schools, they were able to reduce school absenteeism. So I just want her to know that the school nurses really deserve credit for, for using these tools and educating on inhaler technique to the children who really need it the most. And then sort of let her decide sort of what she wants to do with that. Thank you. Any other, any other questions? And Deb? And we will continue um, working toward reducing chronic absenteeism and helping kids come to school. Thanks, Thank Deb. you. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Very good.